episode 23, Second String Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford says he's going to win. Well, maybe not win, but he's coming for that ass, Pat Mahomes. He's coming for the MVP. I guess earlier today, Peter Schrager, old dude on ESPN, everyone's seen him, said, well, look out for Matt Stafford, the Lions, the Lions, the Lions. You've got a lot of buzz about the Lions come out of camp. Look out for Matt Stafford. He might be a dark horse MVP. Matt Stafford said, fuck that noise. He shot a text to Nate Burleson, former Lion. Thank you for your service, Nate. Shot a text, said, tell your buddy Schrager, tell that old head Schrager, that guy who doesn't know anything about the city of Detroit or the Detroit Lions and what it takes. Tell that guy to drop the dark horse. I'm coming for an MVP straight up. Matt Stafford said it himself. He's coming for the MVP straight the fook up, man. Are you kidding me right now? Matty Staff. <laughs> when I read that, I legitimately almost, listen, I'm a lazy piece of shit, so I almost did this. But I wanted, in my mind, if I was The Rock or someone, I would have ripped off like 500 push-ups in a row. I wanted to, but, I mean, I was watching TV. I was comfortable. I wanted to rip off 100 push-ups, though. I wanted to, listen, I wanted to put up a fucking, uh, one of those punching bags and make like touch. <laughs> make like Mike Tyson downstairs in my basement, just uh, 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 with a massive cutout of the tweet saying, Matt Stafford, text Nate Burleson, tell your buddy Schrager to drop the dark horse. Are you kidding me? When's the last time anybody associated with the Lions has made a statement like that? Anybody ever a remote statement, even close to that. Not since I've been alive. Not since my memory started working. Literally. I haven't even heard someone say, watch out for that ass. I'm coming for the seventh best wide receiver in the NFC. This year. I haven't even heard that. I haven't, I haven't heard someone call their shot and say, watch out. I'm guaranteeing four wins this year. I haven't even heard that. Let alone, I'm coming for Pat Mahomes' ass, Lamar Jackson's ass. I'm coming for the MVP. Are you kidding I am juiced. I am juiced. Juiced. 12, no, 11 days. 11, no, maybe it's 10. 11 or 10 days until the Detroit Football Lions welcome the Chicago Bears to town. And I've never felt better about a season of Detroit Lions football. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know how you can have felt better than this year. We have Matt Stafford fucking calling his shot saying, Hey, I'm going to be in the MVP race this year. Listen, if Matt Stafford was on half decent teams for his career, he would be, he would be in the MVP race every single year. He was in the MVP race for the first eight games last year before his back fell apart. That's just the facts. I know we, what were we three and nine or three and five? I mean, no one, no one was talking about Stafford, of course, because no one talks about Detroit. No one talks about the Lions. No one talks about Stafford. Nobody puts the respect on the city, on this team, when they deserve it, which is rare, or that quarterback, that guy, Matt Stafford, which he deserves more of, much more of. Nobody pays the respect like they should. Nobody. And nobody in Detroit ever says anything about it other than people like me other than people who talk about sports that are from Detroit that are biased. 
Nobody says shit about it. Nobody on ESPN, nobody on ABC, nobody in the fantasy football room, nobody national ever talks about Detroit. Nobody ever talks about Matt Stafford. This is the year. He called his shot. I'm calling my shot too. You know what my shot is? Matt Stafford, you said you're going to you're going to be an MVP candidate this year. Here's my shot. We're going to win 10 games this year. We we might win 11. We are going to win minimum 10 games this year. I promise you that. I promise you that. We are going to win a minimum of 10 football games this year. This is the Lions year, I'm telling you. Listen, if you would ask me every single year, is this the Lions year? I'm going to flat out tell you, fuck yeah, it is. This is the year we make the playoffs. But I'm serious this time. This time I'm serious. This time it actually is our year. Matt Stafford's out here calling his shots. We picked up Jamie Collins. We picked up Jeff Okuda. We picked up DeAndre Swift. We picked up uh, Romeo Okwara. Listen, we have four guys. We've picked up four guys that are going to play instantly the day they arrive. Instantly. From day one, they're going to be getting minutes. or Not minutes, not basketball. They're going to be seeing action, though. Swift is, I mean, Swift has been hurt every day. Every day I go on Twitter and I follow these guys that tweet about Lions minicamp or training camp. Every single day, DeAndre Swift doesn't practice. I don't know if he exists. I don't know if he's in Detroit. I don't know if he still wants to play football. I don't know what's going on. He doesn't practice ever though. But if he is ready, if he's healthy to go week one, week two, week three, whenever that time may come, he, listen, I think he's going to go minimum 50, 50 with carry on. I think he's going to get plenty, plenty of looks this year in that offense. Jamie Collins, day one starter. Jeff Okuda, I have a hard time believing Jeff Okuda won't be a day one starter. I don't I don't see how he isn't. Trufant on the one side, Okuda on the other, and then Coleman in the slot. We did that. It would irritate the shit out of me last year. We'd put we'd put Justin Coleman split out on people like a true corner when everybody who's ever heard his name before knows he's a slot defender. I was seeing stats like when Justin Coleman guards the slot guy, he's like the best corner in football. Yet for some reason, 60% of the time he's on the field, the Lions use him as a split out defender. Like, bro, what? What are you looking at, man? Look at the stats. Look at the numbers. Use your eyes. Use your brain a little bit. There's no reason a 22-year-old kid should feel like he has a better grasp of how defense and your personnel works than the head coach of an NFL franchise. There's no reason for that. Now, good news is Patricia's no longer going to be, I don't think, now I, I assume he'll have something to do with the game plan, things like that. But I think from what I've read this year, I think Patricia's kind of decided he's going to take a step back from the defense at least, take a step back, not necessarily involved with every single play call, every single blitz package, not necessarily as hands-on more of an overview head coach, leader, game manager guy, I'm hoping rather than he's calling every defense. He's telling every guy what to do. I'm hoping, and from what I've read, he's going to be a little more hands-off, a little laissez-faire. There's a vocab word for you, laissez-faire. Take a history class, Adam Scott, hands-off. It means hands-off. He's going to be a little more laissez-faire this year which is big because I think he was the biggest problem with our defense last year. The guy didn't know how to call a defense really in general, and he certainly didn't know how to call a defense in situations. Um, The guy seemed to just have like – it was like Madden where he just clicks ass Madden every single time and just chose 
cover four two man every single time. Um, I don't know like what his deal was. It, it's like he's never coached a defense or understood the concept of blitzing or pressure on the quarterback or anything really related to those things. So I'm glad he's going to be a little more hands-off according to what I've read, which is going to be big for us. And then you add, you add, you add Aquara. I think we got him in the third round, fourth round, maybe kid from Notre Dame. I remember day we drafted him. It was like, this guy would be a first round talent if he didn't get hurt. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> yes. Gladly. Gladly. We'll take him. Jeff Okuda day one starter. I don't really know what else to say about him. Um, I think he's one of those guys that listen, he might not be an all pro cornerback in his first year, which is totally fine. I don't think anyone's expecting him to be an all pro quarterback in his first year, but, but, but I think he's going to be a solid player. I don't think it's going to be like, a, Oh, let's just throw it at the rookie. Every play. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he'll be able to hold his own. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he'll be able to hold his own. He's not going to be probably to Darius Slay levels in this first year, but that's why we got Trufant. Trufant's going to be our one. Okuda's going to be our two. Coleman's going to be a three. And listen, Okuda in this first year is going to be a good player, but three, four years from now, Okuda will be an all-pro level cornerback. I firmly believe that. He's going to be a top five corner in the league in a few years, and I don't know. I don't see other than like obviously injuries or if he like starts doing a bunch of coke or something. I don't see how that doesn't come to fruition. Um, everything you could possibly read or listen to about the guy, people are obsessed with him. Like everyone is pretty much in consensus and saying the kid's going to be a stud. He has all the tools. He's athletic, technical freak. Apparently he's just like a practice workout, just hone his skills monster, which, uh, yeah, that helps look at Kobe Bryant, RIP. Those people that are just obsessed with their craft, they uh, they tend to turn out to be pretty good. So, yeah, I think Okuda is going to be a solid player. And then Jamie Collins, a fucking professional pass rusher. He's not going to run the ball. He's not going to catch the ball. He's not going to intercept the ball. He's not going to cover anyone. But you know what he is going to do, and he's going to do damn well. He's going to rush, make somebody a, a stupid left tackle. He's going to fucking spin him into the dirt like a moron, and he's going to go break your quarterback's pelvis. That's what he's going to do. And guess what? That's exactly what this team needs. They need someone who said, get, they're going to little, remember, uh, you remember that swim class freestyle freestyle? Well, we're going to do a little bit of a butterfly stroke here. Butterfly, oops, butterfly swim move, butterfly swim move, butterfly swim move, left tackles on his face like a flapjack, shattered pancreas, shattered. That's what we need. And that's what Jamie Collins is going to do. And then the offense, I mean, I don't really think there's a whole lot to say about the offense. The offense was great last year. Like I said earlier, those first eight games, Matthew Stafford was an MVP candidate. Those games we won, we were winning because of the offense. And those games we lost, the only reason we were in them is because of the offense. And the reason we lost is because Matt Patricia just figures, yeah, let's let uh, let's let Pat Mahomes just stand back there for 20 seconds because he's not like the best quarterback in the league or anything. So he probably won't make a good throw, right? Dude, rush the passer, you moron. So offense was never the issue last year. Obviously, once Stafford gets hurt, and then we have the pride of Purdue, David Blau throwing the ball. Um, it's a slippery slope. Things are going to get dicey. It's not going to be great, obviously. Kenny Galladay didn't seem to mind. He still had a great fucking year. But look at the, the pieces on offense. We just re-signed Taylor Decker to a fat new contract. 
I've always liked Decker, not like the best left tackle in football, but he's not being paid. He's not being paid like the best left tackle in football. I think he's like the fifth or sixth highest tackle now, which is fine, which is fine. Um, I do think I always have thought he's been a good player, though. He's been an important piece. Listen, we got to have someone to protect Stafford. Stafford has been known to be injured here and there. We got to be able to protect them. If we can lock up that left tackle position for a fair price, I'm I'm happy with it. I think the Decker deal we got is great. He got paid. I think it's a win-win, really. Our O-line, Ragnar was one of the best centers in football last year. He's coming back. We signed, what's his name? That Hawaiian dude, like Veloto Talalele, whatever his name is. Um, I think Rick Wagner still a right tackle, I believe. Solid player. So I think we're going to be okay. Obviously, Glasgow's gone, but, you know, shit happens. This is what it is. We had to pay Decker. We're about to pay Galladay. We paid Jamie Collins. Shit's going to happen. It's fine. Shit happens. It's all right. Um, and then you look at the wide receiving core. I couldn't love it anymore, to be totally honest. I think we have one of the best wide receiving cores absolutely in our division. Absolutely in our division. Minnesota with no more Stephon Diggs. Green Bay. Who does Green Bay have? Fucking Devontae Adams and then a bunch of kids from Saginaw Valley State. Yeah, uh, I'll take the Lions. And then the Bears. They got Allen Robinson and then nobody. What else is new? So I love our receiving court. Kenny Galladay, Pro Bowler. I don't think he went to the Pro Bowl last year, which is a disgrace because if you look at his numbers, he was one of the best and most productive receivers in football. Mind you, playing half the season with Jeff Driscoll and David Blau. So this dude should be even more pumped up. We're about to extend him. He's going to get paid, which I couldn't love more. Again, he's just a monster. He's a 6'3", 6'4". I don't know how tall he is. But you watch his highlights from last year. He just po- he just boxes people out. Ten yards and in, he's just going to he's just gonna put his back to the defender. You throw it in front of him. There's literally nothing a defense can do. He high points the ball. He runs good routes. He hasn't been injured yet. Hopefully you can hear that. Just knocked on some wood because that would be tragic. One of the best receivers in football. Two, Marvin Jones. I don't think I could think of a, num- a better number two. Just has been Mr. Consistency, and he's always due. Mr. Marvin Jones is always good for like two or three. Just I cannot believe he just did that plays a year. Great player. Amendola at the three. Another guy who has made his living working in the middle of the field, running five-yard, six-yard, seven-yard routes. He's going to be back. And another guy that it feels like he's every year he's good for a couple. Just that was an incredible play kind of guy love it and then again i love i love al amandola more so for his leadership and the attitude and mentality i feel like he brings like he's had those press conferences where he's like they're talking about um they ask him i can't remember something like what whatever they said they said this about the lions this year and he's like i don't give a fuck what they said about us like we know what we're doing i fucking love that that's what we need. That's what, If you're in Detroit more than anything, too, that's what you need. Fuck them. It's just a fuck them attitude. I said this a couple podcasts ago. Detroit's a mentality. Detroit versus everybody. Listen, it's you guys against the world. You're about you're self-made. you got to do it on your own. The refs aren't going to help you out. Roger Goodell sure as hell isn't going to help you out. No fans this year to help you out. This is That's Detroit. That's what it's all about. Do it on your own. Figure it out. Make it happen. And I have the f- full faith that they will. And then TJ Hawkinson's finally coming back. He had the unreal, like, 100-yard, two-touchdown debut last year. Everyone's like, so we fucking just have Gronk, except he's 21. Got hurt, slowed down, didn't look as great. Um, I've never jumped ship. I've always said Hawkinson is going to be a good player. 
I think a lot of people kind of had PTSD when we took a tight end in the first round, rightfully so, because Eric Ebron's one of the worst athletes that's ever played a second of any sport in Detroit, and that counts like the third grade fucking t-ball teams that are playing. He's the worst athlete that's ever played a sport in the state of Michigan. So, well, maybe John O'Corn. It's either John O'Corn or Eric Ebron. So I think people had PTSD from that. But I've said it from day one. Hawkinson, you can you just look at the dude. He looks like Thor. Number one, he looks like Thor. He runs like a four five forty, and he can catch. I don't understand how you look at that and don't see how he has the potential to literally be Gronk, be George Kittle, be Travis Kelsey. Like if everything goes to plan with Hawk, he should be one of those guys where every game, every game, that's who they're talking about. They're going, this is one of the premier tight ends in football. You can't guard him with a linebacker because they're too slow. Can't cover him with a safety because they're too little. And you can't double team him because guess what? That means Kenny Galladay's one-on-one or that means whatever. There's that we got an advantage in the run game, whatever the case may be. And beyond that, and beyond that, the biggest thing to love about Hawk, I do think he's going to be a lethal pass target like those guys, Kelsey Kittle and them, but he he blocks. He will block. He'll block in the run game. He'll block in the pass game. He's a physical dude. If you've seen the pictures of him from camp or from this year, like recent, the guy looks like he's about 280 pounds. He's, his arms are the size of my abdomen. He looks like he's been doing nothing but drinking raw eggs and bench pressing over the quarantine. So he he's poised, again, knock on wood. I Hopefully you heard that so you know I'm not lying. Injuries aside, he's poised to have a big year. And you read about Matt Stafford. People are saying he's looked better than he's ever looked in his career. I don't understand how you can hear all of those things and not be like, this is finally the fucking year. Matt, you're telling me Matt Stafford is looking the best he's ever looked? That does not seem possible, nor does it seem fair. Drink of water, one second. Ah, I just had an interview before this, so I've been doing quite a bit of talking. I probably won't get the job, but it was fun. Anyway, Matt Stafford, you can't tell me you aren't excited about this team knowing he's looked he's looking the best he's looked in years. Again, that doesn't seem fair. I don't even really understand what a better version of Matt Stafford looks like. It feels like every year this dude's busting his ass, putting it all on the line, doing everything he can, and we still just come up short. So I don't know what a next-level Stafford looks like. Uh, It seems like it's going to be pretty good. I would assume it's a good thing. I would assume it looks something like, I don't know, an unstoppable force. Looks like a – like you ever seen the movie Snowpiercer, that train that's just going a trillion miles an hour down the snowy railway? That's Matt Stafford. The dude is just boop, boop, full steam ahead, 500 miles an hour, nothing stopping him. And then the backfield, I've always been a carry-on guy. Again, his problem, injuries. It sucks. He's always heard it feels like it sucks when he's healthy. I've been a fan of his since the Iron Bowl I watched senior year. I remember I watched him and was like, that whoever this carry-on Johnson guy is, is fucking incredible. It takes like seven people to tackle him every play. Then we got him, and I was pumped. I don't know if I was biased because I feel like I discovered him or what. He's been hurt, which sucks. You have to show up to your job to be good at it. Like, no two no two ways around it. But when he does play, I think he's a good player. But it's nice. We have Swift now. So if carry-on goes down, it still feels like – I mean, Swift might be an upgrade at running back, to be totally honest. He might be an upgrade, just a flat-out upgrade. 
when we took him, people were shocked that he wasn't the first running back taken. They were shocked he wasn't taken in the first round. So I think Swift is going to play a big part of this team. Like I said, injuries aside, I think Swift is going to be playing like, I don't know, 40% of the snaps this year, maybe more. Who knows? It might be a 50-50 split. I I assume it'll be like a hot hand type situation, which I'm totally fine with. But Swift, finally, finally, we bolster the ranks at running back. And it's not just with some Zach Zenner, like this dude was working as security at Whole Foods. He looked pretty big, and I saw him chase down a guy with a bag of tomatoes. He seemed fast. No, we got a bona fide professional NFL running back. So the offense should be better than it's ever been. And then Darren Bevel at OC again. I think him and Stafford have worked really well from the time he's been here. Like I said, the last two, three years, all these just fucking mind-boggling years where you just don't understand how this team can't put it together. I've never once felt like it's been the offense. I've always been happy with what – obviously, there's games where it's like, fucking, we can't score 10 points in a game. Obviously, there's those games. When you play 16, you're bound to have two or three where you just lay eggs. That's going to happen. But at the end of the year, I've never looked back on the year saying something with the offense is the issue. Obviously, last year, having second, third, and fourth string quarterbacks playing the entire time was the issue. But when our offense has its guys – We've never, that's never been the problem. It's always been on the defensive side of the ball or the run game. Now, I feel like the last couple of years, the run game, while it hasn't been like top 15 in the league, I do think it has improved a little bit at least. I think Darren Bevel, just the way he calls runs, maybe the types of run plays, the misdirection, the blocking schemes, things like that have improved it. It remains to be seen again this year. Like, we'll see what happens. It feels like lately they've, and lately, I mean the last two years or so, they are dedicated to it. Like they realize Matt Stafford can't throw the ball 60 times a game and we can't expect things to go super well that way. So again, I just, I trust Bevel. I fucking love Stafford. Um, The idea of him being better is super exciting. So I'm pumped to see what this team does. Fucking, he texted a national media journalist saying, drop the dark horse. I'm coming for that ass. I'm coming for MVP. That juices me up. I don't know how you can't hear that. Look at the fact that we're playing that bum Mitchell Trubisky week one and not see close your eyes at night and see 42 nothing Lions and just be like, this is the goddamn year. So we'll see. I'm going to talk more and more Lions as, as the season approaches. I think I'm going to do I think I'm going to do some pregame like Twitter pregame Lions videos, just short little pregame videos postgame too. We'll see what happens said it a million times. The Lions are my number one team. I'm a sports guy. Fucking, it's like my hobby, which is kind of embarrassing. But I'm a sports guy. It is what it is. Take it or leave it. The Lions are my squad, so I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go balls deep on this Lions season. This is our year. I told you a couple weeks ago. I told you. When we did the schedule rundown, I told you. Buy your tickets. Where's the Super Bowl this year? Is it Florida or Atlanta or something? Buy your tickets to Florida. Tampa. It's in Tampa. Buy your tickets to Tampa early. You're going to save on costs. There's no hidden fees, no baggage, no extra check in the luggage. Buy your tickets to Tampa early because we will see you there. Matt Stafford will see you there. Peter Schrager is going to tell you that he knew Matt Stafford was going there. Swift is going to see you there. The defense is going to see you there. I'm going to see you there. Buy your goddamn tickets or on second thought, maybe stay in Detroit for a Super Bowl. We'll drink 10,000 beers. Not light the city on fire, but maybe bring some of your own furniture to light on fire. We'll see. 
going to take a quick break. We'll talk Tigers, little Tiggy's win streak. Are we back? I think we are. Uh, Big 10, maybe going to play in October now. Probably horseshit, but maybe. Um, and then, I don't know, NBA bubble maybe. I'm going to record again, so I'm doing this during the day on Wednesday. I'm going to record again tonight for tomorrow, so I might, I'm might. i going to leave all the NBA stuff for tonight, so we'll do TIGs and then touch on the Big Ten thing. I don't really have anything to say. It seems like horseshit, but we'll talk about it anyway. All right, quick break. Be right back. So just a little bit on the TIGs. Win last night, murdered the Milwaukee Brewers, spanked them, shellacked them, buried them six feet under, not even a funeral. That's how bad we beat them. They didn't even get a funeral. Their loved ones didn't get to see them. Sorry. We know they have families. No funeral. COVID, social distancing, buried them 12 to 1. Michael Fulmer pitched well. Lindbaum pitched bad. Only downside, Jacoby Jones breaks his hand. That fucking sucks. Worst part about it kind of it's not funny but it's ironic said before the game this is sad he said before the game every pitch means something we're down like we're down to the wire kind of thing we're fighting for a playoff spot because they were every pitch means something i've been waiting my whole career for that and then during the game where we're going to be above 500 for the in september for the first time in four years he breaks his hand and is done for the year blows blows for jacoby Feel bad for him. I don't know him. Seems like a great guy. He's actually one of my more liked players on the squad. He's been having a good year too. So, ah, fucking blows. He broke his hand last year too. So he's probably just like punting, punting plates and shit in this house right now. He's probably very salty. Speedy recovery, Jacoby. It's all right. This year's probably not going to turn into anything anyway. We'll see you next year. Get better. Keep working on that swing. Be part of the future. Be a part of the future of this team. Anyway, 12-1, Tigers, one game above 500. First time, like I said, in four years, which seems impossible, but it is. <sighs> Tigers are a half game out of a wild card spot right now. Listen, I have been all over the place on this podcast when it comes to the Detroit Tigers. I've been optimistic. I've been pessimistic. I've been the day man. I've been the night man. I thought I was going to become rich beyond my wild dreams. I thought I was never going to get a bite to eat again. And right now, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I am. The The positive side of me, the positive aspect of my personality wants to just go fucking head first, dive back in. Tigers playoffs, Tigers wild card, my ass. We're coming for the White Sox. Mize is going to figure it out. Scoobles figuring it out. Turnbull's pitching tonight. We're going to be 18 and 16. That's a dub. This team is hitting. I don't get, I don't get it. The team hits the ball. They score runs. It doesn't make any sense. Victor Reyes apparently is like one of the better outfielders in all of baseball. Candelario, after that 10-game start where he was hitting like 100, is now hitting 300, hitting for power. Miguel Cabrera has looked like not even – I mean, it's just not even fair to call anyone prime Miggy, but he looks like he kind of remembers who he is. Um, and Jonathan Scope just rakes. So I don't know what's going on exactly. For Christ's sake, Christian Stewart hit a home run yesterday. I haven't seen that dude get on base fucking all summer. And he hit a bomb yesterday. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if Gardy is doing like a New Orleans Saints bounty type situation where he's just paying these dudes out of his own pockets to hit home runs. I don't know. 
but they're scoring and it's fun. Again, I've so I've been beginning of the season. This team's fun to watch. They're figuring out ways to win. They're not the most impressive looking team, but they're figuring it out to actually we just lost eight in a row. Nobody can pitch. We just throw meatballs. It's batting practice. No one hits. No one scores. We stink. And once again now, sit. we're on a six-game, looking for a seven-game winning streak tonight again against the Brewers. Sitting a game above 500. we We're three and a half back of the AL Central lead, I believe. Three and a half back of the Sox and the Indians are tied. And we're half a game back of the Blue Jays for the wild card spot. I don't know. I mean, if you're Al Avila, if you're Garden High, if you're Chris Illich and the Tigers right now, I don't see how you don't just go all in on a playoff run this year. Word on the street. I think I don't know if I've mentioned it on here before. Word on the street is the draft order is going to be determined by the team's cumulative record from last year and this year, and we were so goddamn bad last year that I know as of right now we would still have the number one pick. So I think you got to go for it. I think you got to go for it. I don't know what's going to happen. Like let's say we make the playoffs, but we still have the worst record record cumulatively between the last two years. I don't know what happens in that situation. Regardless, we're going to get a good player. It's looking like the first overall pick is going to be um, Kumar. What's his last name? Kumar Rocker, another pitcher, which we don't necessarily need more arms. We need position players. So if we get like the third or fourth pick, whatever, not the worst thing in the world, um, go for it. I mean, Lord knows in a 162-game season, we're not making the playoffs this year. We fucking didn't even come close last year. And this team hasn't gotten that much better this year. They've gotten better for sure. They've gotten better for sure. But I think a lot of it is they kind of understand that, hey, we only have to do this for fucking two months. This isn't this isn't from April to, to October anymore. This is a two-month sprint. We just got to put it together for two months. Just hold like it's like that, um, it's like that meme where the the water tanks leak and then the dude's just slapping duct tape or flex seal or whatever over it. Like that's what we're doing. We're just plugging all the holes. It's not a sturdy. It's not a sturdy structure, but we're plugging enough holes right now. Where we're still, we're still slowly making it down the river. That's all we got to do. Listen, we get into the first round of the playoffs. We play the Yankees. We play the Rays. We play the Indians or the White Sox. We're gonna get annihilated. There's no. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But it would be fun. As a fan of Detroit sports, not only the Tigers, as a fan of Detroit sports in general right now, the idea of one of these teams being in a playoff game in one playoff game, it's it's like a it's like an unimaginable fucking idea. It's like the idea of going to space. Like I know it's real. I know that that stuff exists. I know that other people do it, but I could never imagine myself doing it. That's how making a playoff sounds at the state of Detroit sports right now. I know the playoffs exist. I've heard of the playoffs. I've read about the playoffs. I've seen, I've even seen videos of the playoffs, but, but do they exist? Like I can never imagine my teams being there. So I think you got to go for it, especially Chris Illich. I know a lot of people are pretty skeptical of him and his desire, maybe not necessarily his desire to win, but his desire to put in the money and the work and the effort to make the Detroit Tigers what they should be. And, to put in that level of work and effort to make them the best that they can be. Um, I know he's been questioned by the fans. I know like my friends and I, people are like, 
I don't think Chris Illich really gives a shit about the Tigs. I think he's more of a Red Wings guy, but Mike Illich, his dad, RIP, was always more of a Tigers guy. So I think it's it's honestly kind of important for him just to show the fans that, like, hey, we're here. Like, well, I'm not here to just, like, own the Tigers because my dad owned the Tigers. I think it's important for him to prove, like, I'm fucking I – know, I know I got it from my dad, and I'm in a pretty fortuitous spot. But like, let's win a World Series here. I'm not just here to hold someone's place. I'm here to win goddamn baseball games and try to win some championships. So I think it's important for him. Now the trade deadline's over. He can't sign any free agents, so like he doesn't have a ton of say. But it shows from because he could nudge Alavila. It shows when Alavila brought up Scooble, Paredes, and Mize. Derek Hill just got called up today with the Jacoby Jones injury. Another former first round pick outfielder. So things like that, things like that can show, listen, we're not just punting on the season. We're going to try to take one of those playoff spots. We're going to try to bring a little excitement to Detroit, and we're going to see what happens if we get there. I mean, obviously, if we play any of those teams I mentioned, we are not going to be the favorite in that game or in that series. We will not be. But you never know. That's why they play the game. You never know. And fucking who knows, man. The Tigers have been so bad for so long. Detroit has been down for so long in every sport. Maybe the sports gods will smile upon us and we get some weird little luck, some magic, and this team makes a little bit of a run. You never know. So, I mean, it is exciting. It is cool. Again, I I, I flip-flopped on this. At the beginning, it was fun to watch the Tigers. Then it sucked, and now it's fun. Listen, at the very least, it's fun. it's fun for me to say, you know what, I'm going to turn on the Tigers tonight, and I think I, I think we're going to win. Like, I believe that the Tigers are going to win the baseball game tonight. It's it's so refreshing to feel that. I'm going to turn on a Tigers game. They're going to play pretty well. You know what? Maybe we'll lose. It's going to be a good game, but I think we'll win. Like, I have confidence going in. I have faith that I'm going to watch a good baseball game. I have faith that we're going to be able to do what we need to do to win. And that's refreshing. You absolutely did not see that last year or the year before with the Tigers. You don't see that shit with the Red Wings. You haven't seen that with the Wings or the Tigers the last three years. You hardly see it with the Pistons. I mean, last year we had MVP candidate Blake, so that helped. You hardly see that with the Pistons, though. Lions, it's like it's a crapshoot every time. So it's kind of nice. Tigers are going to be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to watching the game tonight. Like I said, Turnbull on the mound. I'm expecting to win again. When Again, when's the last time you've said that, that about a Tigers game? Going into it, expecting to win. Feels good. Um, as far as I know, I mentioned I'd talk about the Big Ten. So word on the street. Those ugh, they're so stupid. Those clowns at the Big Ten. They canceled the season. Now they're kind of going back on what they said because they're looking around thinking, oh, shit. So everyone else is just going to play football and make a bunch of money and we're not. And they're like realizing how college is just an extreme racket and just a business and a ploy to get money from people. And now they're looking around saying, oh, shit, well, if the ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC are going to play and become rich, like, well, I want to make a bunch of money. So now those morons canceled it early. There was a rumor that they were going to reinstate it, and then there was a rumor that that got killed. And now there's another rumor that they're going to reinstate the season, and they're looking at October 10th for the first week of games. Listen, I don't know what the fuck's going on with that Big Ten in college football. I don't know what is going on. If I had to bet just because of how chaotic and stupid everything's been and how indecisive they seem to be, I would say that they're probably not going to play. But I don't know. I mean, 
I hope they play. It'd be fun to watch. Like, I'd like to watch State 10 times this year, however many. I'd like to turn on a few Michigan State games on Saturday. I've said it a million times. We're going to get blasted in the ass, but I'd like to watch a few games. I would. I'd like to see what Mel Tucker does. I'd like to see that scheme. I'd like to see how many or how few, hopefully, jet sweeps we run on offense. I'd like to see who the quarterback of the next few years is going to be. Obviously, we're going to be bad the next two or three years, so it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is now. It more so matters who we bring in to play quarterback this recruiting class and the next. That's kind of where the importance lies at the position. But like, I'm still going to be watching Michigan State football the next two or three years. So like, let's see who some of the players are. Let's see what Mel Tucker can do. I just talked about the Tigers having a little magic. Fuck it. You never know. Let's see. Let's see if MSU and Mel have a little magic in them. I went on a rant last time saying Mel's our guy. I have faith in Mel. Listen, the chips are stacked against them. He's got to play some powerhouse teams. OSU, Michigan, Penn State. He's not supposed to win any of those games, but we are Michigan State. We play with a chip on our shoulder. Mel Tucker, I'm in on. I'm sold on Mel. Let's go beat Michigan, you know? Let's ruffle some feathers. Let's upset Ohio State at the shoe. Let's beat Penn State. We seem to love beating James Franklin and Penn State when they're good. I don't know what it is fucking state loves doing it to them they love just pooping on their party let's do that let's let's see if we can't poop on someone's party this year so we'll see again i don't think they'll play but it'd be fun um i'd like to drink like 15 bush lights during the first half of an msu game and i'd like to have a reason to go up to east lansing so let's fucking hope let's play um that's all i got for now i'm gonna do another another episode later tonight just hitting hard on the nba playoffs Nuggets and my boy Jokic Idemo won last night. Uh, Rockets Thunder game seven's on tonight, and then there's another game. Is it Lakers and whoever they play? I don't know. There's another game on tonight, so I'm gonna come back tonight, do a bunch of NBA playoff stuff. The Tigers play, so we'll recap whatever happens in that game. Hopefully, another win. Hopefully, I'm sitting here telling you how that AL Central bet is gonna pay off in spades. Uh, and David Blaine actually held on to a bunch of balloons today. I don't know if you saw that and carried him up to like 20,000 feet. That dude's fucking insane. So I'll talk about shit like that. Maybe I'll do a little stand up style bit. We'll see, but that's all I got for now. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, the second string Detroit at gmail.com, shoot me an email at Nick second string on Twitter at the dot second dot string on Instagram and the second string.com pick up your merch. We got some fuego per usual on there working on some new lion stuff for, like I said, 11 days till the season, working on some new lion stuff, support the boys, some outside of the box vintage style clothing. Cause I don't know why I don't, this is partly partially why I started the whole clothes thing. Why do all these clothes manufacturers that have the licensing deals with these leagues and college sports not make vintage clothes anymore? makes no sense like i feel like everybody fucking loves vintage and they just make it's a shirt that just says lions and has the logo on it it's like that's it that the chief the chief of creativity at fucking fanatics came up with the word lions and our logo that's all they got so i don't really get it we're gonna fill that hole though we're gonna fill that niche all you people all you people have been crying you can't sleep at night because you're so sad you wake up in cold sweats thinking about how you can't get vintage Detroit sports clothing. I'm here for you. Listen, I'm going to rock a baby, rock a sheep. 
I'm going to coddle you. I'm going to cradle you to bed. We're going to get to sleep tonight. You're going to wake up. There's going to be some vintage fire Detroit Lions stuff on there. The second string.com. Check it out. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, friends. Tell your kids, kids. Um, spread the word. Anyway, appreciate you guys listening. Hope everyone enjoyed. Hope you've been having a great week. Fucking making it productive. Um, I'll be back later tonight with an episode that uploads on Thursday. Thank you, guys.